0: Chapter 13 More Characteristics of Hotels There are a number of areas in which the body of Christ today is failing to rebuild the tabernacle of David, and in some cases it is doing just the opposite. Therefore, it is no wonder that the Gentile world is not being seriously impacted by the church. Acts 15, 16, and 17 declares that when the tabernacle of David is rebuilt, the Gentile world will definitely be visited by God, as happened in the early church. Where are we failing as a church? We have changed the pattern of God's house into a pattern designed by our own preferences. Our changes have transformed God's dwelling place into a spiritual hotel to which He might grant a short visit. The following details are not for everyone. For anyone who is content with a small measure of God's presence that is at work in their lives, changes are not something they are willing to make. In fact, they see no need for any change. Usually, changes require some measure of dedication and a willingness to sacrifice our own ways that are comfortable and that do not disturb our friends and spiritual family. Changes will often require us to examine our own hearts to see if we desire to please God more than men. Is our heart willing to look like a failure in the eyes of others in order to please God and hear Him say to us at the end of our lives, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Understanding the Power of Music Before we look at what is happening in a church today, We need to understand a little about the power of music. Americans would not spend $26 billion in a year for music and video subscriptions if that music accomplished nothing in their lives. For those who actually believe that music is of little consequence, there is a video available online whose title is How the Beatles Changed the World, directed by Tom O'Dell. I personally lived through the social, cultural, and sexual revolution that they brought to virtually the entire world. It was not a good revolution for those who wanted to please the Lord. I am a witness of the power of their music that ended up making the world a more immoral and ungodly place. I sang in a Christ-centered quartet for seven years, and we experienced the power of music to move people toward God. We were invited to many churches and conventions, and as we sang, we sought to minister in song to the Lord. It was said that we were a quartet that would stand on the platform for 30 minutes and sing to Jesus instead of to the people. What often happened was a testimony to the power of music. At times, even in the middle of a song, the people would, with one accord, begin to worship the Lord without any invitation to do so and people were set free from bondages and had encounters with God. As we have seen, when Paul and Silas were cast into a Philippian jail, at midnight they began to pray and sing praises to God. Here is what happened. At midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Acts 16, 25 and 26. This reveals the power of both prayer and music. Their prayers and music set the prisoners free, while the music of the Beatles brought the world into the spiritual bondage of immorality and rebellion. Over and over, the music of David's harp drove away the demonic spiritual realm that was affecting King Saul and his music changed the spiritual atmosphere around Saul from oppression to peace and wellness. 1 Samuel sixteen sixteen 16-23 Later in Israel's history, three kings and their armies were going to die from thirst in the wilderness. They asked Elisha for help. When he came, he rebuked the wicked king that was among them and then told them to bring a musician to play before him. As the musician played, the presence of God came upon Elisha, and he prophesied a great deliverance from God, and water was supernaturally provided for them, and God gave them victory over their enemies. 2 Kings three fourteen 25 What an incredible message about music was given to us by the Lord through that event. God's presence came as a result of the music, and the water of life was given to the thirsty, and victory over the enemy occurred as a result. Personally, I have seen many examples of the power of music to produce both good fruit and bad fruit in the lives of those who hear it. Some years ago, we had a carpenter who did many projects for our ministry. We tried different ways to share the Lord with him, but he was completely hardened against the Lord and wanted nothing to do with him. One day, he and I approached the door of our house, And the door was open. Inside, our daughter was playing the piano, and the presence of God was flowing out through that open door. As we approached, the carpenter recognized that God was there, and from his comments, it was obvious that his hard attitude had melted. I asked him if he wanted to pray, and he said yes. So we prayed together that the Lord would save him and bring him into his life. I am sure that he was never the same again although we had no further projects for him to do. Apparently, the Lord was giving this carpenter enough projects to do for us so that he would finally end up humbling his heart in the presence of the Lord. We are ministering to the youth with our music. Many pastors have told me that they are ministering to the youth with their music. This is why much of the music they use was written and played by youth and for youth, there are several problems with this concept. First, the body of Christ has been called by God to rebuild the tabernacle of David. The importance of music is revealed in the biblical pattern for his tabernacle. He had singers and musicians playing to the Lord 24 hours a day, seven days a week. All Christians are called to be priests, but Revelation 1-6 declares that God hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Note that we are called to be priests unto God and to give him all the glory. As priests, our worship, praise, and music are to be directed toward God, not toward youth or to any other person or thing. Also, all our praise and worship are to be ordained by God, not by youth or others. The music that was used in the tabernacle of David was received from the Lord by the most mature saints in Israel, and like David, they were prophets through whom God spoke. They were not youth, and those who played the instruments were mature ministers. There is a place for youth to be used to play instruments, but not to be the source of our worship, and much less to be the object of our worship. If the flesh writes our music, and if we direct our worship and music toward the flesh, it will produce flesh, and it will not attract the presence of the Lord. One of the pastors whom we knew who had a large church was one of those who said that their music was directed to the youth of the church. He said that its purpose was to attract youth to the church. He was then asked, Of the many youths that you have attracted to the church with your music over the years, How many have continued in the church? The pastor paused for quite some time as he thought about that issue. After a time, he confessed, Not one has remained. His answer definitely shocked, surprised, and seemed to have enlightened him. The purpose of godly worship is to attract the presence of God, not to attract the presence of youth. If the church is going to play all sorts of music for the youth instead of for the Lord, The presence of the Lord will not dwell in that house. Now and then it might serve as a hotel for the Lord, but he will not dwell there. Youth who truly want the Lord will be drawn to the presence of the Lord, and if his presence is not found in a church, they will seek him somewhere else. Youth who want carnal music might be drawn to a church for a time if it is geared toward them, but the church cannot compete with the music of ungodly groups like the Beatles, and it has only gotten worse since then. Therefore, soon those youth will also drift away in search of something more attractive to the flesh than what a carnally-minded church can produce for them. The Mistake That Moses Made Moses was a man who knew God like no other except for Jesus. He actually fasted supernaturally without food and water for 120 consecutive days, He definitely followed God wholeheartedly for most of his life. However, God forbade him to enter the promised land for a mistake he made that seemed to involve a very small issue. Israel needed water, and God sent Moses to the rock the second time to supernaturally draw water from the rock. The first time God sent him to the rock, he was commanded to strike the rock to receive water. Paul tells us that the rock was Christ. 1 Corinthians 10.4 But the second time he was commanded to only speak to the rock and that it would give water to the thirsty people. Numbers 20.8 The rock, Christ, would suffer only once, not twice, and symbolically, Moses should have struck the rock only once. Instead, Moses smote the rock again and then spoke to Israel rather than speaking to the rock. For that error, God said he could not enter the land. This seems like such a small mistake, but God was using it to teach us a very important lesson through a man as holy and pure as Moses. It was a very big mistake that is often made by many in the church today. The Lord is saying that we should direct our speaking and ministry to Christ, the rock, and that he will then pour out the water of his presence on the thirsty ones. This is what our quartet experienced. We sang to Him, and He then ministered to the people, giving them the water of His presence. The Psalms repeatedly exhort us to sing to the Lord. Psalms 144.9 is one of many examples. I will sing a new song unto Thee, O God. Upon a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings will I sing praises unto Thee. No scripture ever tells us to sing to the people. Everything that we do as priests should be directed toward the Lord and never toward the people, and certainly not toward the youth. This includes our music, our worship, and our preaching. Personally, when I preach, my goal is to speak with a consciousness that I am speaking before the Lord and not before the people. In light of what God showed us through the mistake that Moses made, it is not at all too strong of language to say that to minister to the youth with our music is an abomination in God's sight. God will minister to them if we learn to minister to him in a way that attracts his presence so that the thirsty youth can drink from his fountain. So, when we minister to the rock, we are in fact doing the only thing that can bring life to the youth or anyone else. It is then that the Lord will minister to the youth. If we attempt to direct our ministry to them, we will bring them death. A very dedicated sister from another ministry spent a week with us, participating in our worship. For most of the week she was very troubled. She discerned that there was a great difference between the worship of her church and the worship that we practice and teach. She prayed about it for most of the week, asking the Lord to show her what the difference was in his eyes. He finally spoke to her and said, In your church you sing and minister to the people, but here they sing and minister to me. Oh, that we may understand that this is what we are all called to do as priests unto God.